0: In 1974, Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, taught a one-time MBA class at the University of Texas at Austin. And after the class had ended, he went out to dinner with a bunch of the students. And over dinner, as the story goes, over dinner, he he looked at all these MBA students and he said to them, hey guys, what business am I in? And the room was kind of like awkwardly like... You're, you're Ray Kroc. Like, everybody knows. Like, we know what business you're in. Like, and he goes, and, and people kind of just chuckled, and they didn't really answer. And he goes, no, no, seriously, what business am I in? And finally, uh, everyone kind of looked at each other again, kind of laughed. And then one person spoke up, and they said, Ray, everybody knows what business you're in. You're in the burger business. And he goes, yeah, that's what I thought you would say. He goes, here's the truth. I'm not in the burger business. I'm in the real estate business. And he went on to explain that McDonald's was not necessarily built on burgers, but it's actually built on acquiring great real estate. And and he kind of went into that a little bit. And if you think about it, if you think of places around the world that you've been, like some of the most expensive real estate in the world, some of the nicest places, some of the most famous places, think like Times Square, things like that, you will always find the McDonald's, sadly, at the heart of, of of all of these places, right? There's a McDonald's there. And that was kind of his point is we grab the best locations for, for things, and that's how the business is built. And when I first heard that story, I thought, that's cool. Like, wow, you know, like the, the, the main thing of his business, the purpose of business not what you think, and it's actually something different. I thought that was really cool. But then I thought a little bit later, I thought, actually, it's kind of stupid because think about it. If we we're going to go for a burger, if I said, hey, let's go for a burger today after, after church, you want to go? My guess is McDonald's would not be what you recommend of a burger place, right? It wouldn't even make the top 20 of places you would recommend for a burger right now. So what happened? Well, somehow a burger place took its eye off of the main thing of its business and decided that its business was actually something else. And then all of a sudden in comes all these competitors who actually do the thing better, actually do the burger business better and they, they've come and kind of uh, take, taken over, right? And it was a good reminder to me, it's the cliche that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And it was a good reminder to me of that. The main thing of a burger business is you better make really good burgers. That should be your your thing. And I, and I bring all that up because I wanted to do this series for this month, kind of going into February, called The Main Thing. As we start out 2019, What is the main thing that we need to be focused on, both as individuals, because it's good at the beginning of the year to kind of set your your course for the year, but also as a church, what are we about? And two weeks ago when we started this, before the non-snow event that we had last Sunday, uh, we we started this uh, series, we said, it's a who, not a what. The main thing in life is a person, not a thing. The best things in life aren't things, right? The main thing is a person, it's Jesus Christ. And as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we need to we need to, if, if he's the main thing, we need to be about what he's about. Now I know not all of you in the room are followers of Jesus or Christians, or maybe you would identify that way. And I get that. But I hope this is actually really helpful for you too. Because I want you to see what this Jesus fuss is all about and what we're actually talking about. And if you ever thought about, would I ever become a Christian? I want you to know kind of what the deal is or what's, what's part of it. And then those of you who are Christians in the room, um, I hope this is really good today as we think about the main thing. If we are creatures, meaning we have been created by a creator, um, then our creator speaks to us about what our purpose is. We need to look to him to figure out what we're here for, what life is about, what is our mission and, and purpose in life. And there are two times in the Bible that Jesus says what his purpose is. So if we're following him, we should look at what does he say things are all about? What is he all about? There's twice it's recorded... In different ways, uh, where, where Jesus kind of states his main thing, and I want to look at one of those today, and I want to read it to you from a, a guy in the New Testament named Luke, who recorded one of the four uh, eyewitness accounts of of jesus 's life or gospels, is what we call them, and Luke uh, set out to write this orderly account of things that he that he had heard and, and and he had interviewed people to kind of put this account together and he talks about Jesus. And if you grew up in the church at all, you're going to know what I'm about to read you. You'll recognize this very well. We'll get to it in a second. But Luke chapter 19, we'll put it up on the screen. I want to read it to you. It's talking about Jesus. said He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Um. A couple things here. Zacchaeus is in Jericho. Jericho is a city on the west bank of the Jordan River in Israel, modern-day Palestinian territory. Um, Jericho is one of the most ancient cities of the world. It's one of the oldest cities in the world. Um, There's some ancient ruins there that you can see now. It's really a a pretty cool place. Um, And and Jesus is traveling around like, like he do through Israel, and he's preaching and he's teaching he's telling people about God um, and trying to help people connect to their heavenly father. And he goes through this town Jericho and there's this guy named Zacchaeus. And there's a couple things we know about Zacchaeus just from this introduction. First of all, he's a tax collector. And and you need to understand what that would mean to someone who heard that originally. For us, we think tax collector, he's like the IRS. It was a little more than that in, in their day. The tax collectors for the Jews would have been people that you hate. You'd be like, ooh, a tax collector, gross. Because the Romans conquered Israel, and then the invading army and the invading Romans kind of set up their government in all of Israel, and they put in their leaders and their governors and all that kind of thing. And then they would tax the Jews in order to pay for the army. So imagine that an invaders tax you to pay for their army and, and how you would feel about that. I'm, I'm trying to think of a modern equivalent. Imagine if Canada invaded the US with like both of their horses and they came down on their mounted police, you know, horses and they came down and they like took over, right? And they're like, we're setting up Canadian law, eh? And then like, you're like, oh, okay, we got to do that. What do we have to do? You know, and everybody drinks Labatt's Blue and this is what it's going to be. And so they set up law and then they're like, we're going to tax all of you to pay for our mounted police and you're just going to have to pay for them. And, and sorry, I know you don't like being occupied, but you're going to pay for it. That's what was going on in, the, in, in ancient Israel And the Jews resented it, and they resented the people who were collecting the money. So they resented the tax collectors because the tax collectors often were Jews who then went to work for the Romans collecting taxes from people. So the Jews would view the tax collectors as traitors, like, oh, you're like a turncoat. Oh, you're working for the Romans. And so they really didn't like these people. So when Luke says this is a tax collector, the original audience that would have read this letter as Jews, they would have been like, ew, those guys. And then it says he was rich. Now, rich goes hand-in-hand with being a tax collector because what they would do is they would charge extra. So it would be like, here's your taxes and then a little something for me. And so tax collectors would get really wealthy off of this kind of thing. And so the way the Jews would view this tax collector guy, Zacchaeus, is he's basically a dirty, scummy, like government extortionist, right? Like he's ripping people off. And then one other detail it gives about him is that he's, a, he, that he's small. Small in stature is the way it says here in ESV. And if you grew up in church at all, you may know this story because Zacchaeus is one of those stories that we like to tell in kids' church. And there's a song that goes along with Zacchaeus in, in Sunday school that I learned as a child. And if you grew up in church at all, you learned it um, possibly as well. And it's about Zacchaeus, and it says... The song says, and I got criticized for not actually singing it for service, but I'll... The words say, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Does anybody know that song? Okay. You're singing it right now. You're welcome. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's a small world. That'll be in your head all day. Uh, and here's the thing. I, I hear that, and I'm like, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little... And I'm like... Don't you think Zacchaeus, like right now in heaven somewhere, is going like, guys, there was more to me than that. I mean... For, for all of history, he's like, I'm the wee little man, you know? And, like, Doubting Thomas is like, tell me about it, bro. That's all they talk about with me. You know, like, they, they all got their thing, you know? And it's it, I just feel bad for him, you know? Because there's probably, there's probably more facets to him than what, what he gets. And then he, then he gets called, like, like, I don't know any dude that wants to be called wee little man. And then you get lumped in with, like, Napoleon and Hitler. Like, it just doesn't get better for him, right? So he's like, I'm the wee little man in the Bible. You know, if, we, if you meet him in heaven one day and you're like oh, there you are. You know, he's like, that's me. We little man, you know, like, okay. So weird, poor guy. Uh, But it is, it plays into the story because he goes up ahead and he climbs up a tree. If you go to Jericho today, they'll tell you what tree it is. Probably not the tree, but they'll, and then they'll sell you a, you know, Zacchaeus on a rope or something, you know, it's kind of commercialized a bit. But so you go there. um, And so, Zacchaeus goes up this tree, and he wants to see this rock star rabbi. Because wherever Jesus goes, it's like, you know, Tiger Woods on Sunday coming into the 18th hole. Like, there's just swarms of crowds everywhere. And so, um, people want to see him. And so, he climbs up this tree in order to see Jesus. And then look at what it says next, verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up at him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So, he hurried and came down and received him. Joyfully, I I want you to get what's going on here. Jesus tells the guy that everybody in the crowd hates. Hey, I'm gonna hang with you. Like you're my dude. Like let's let's let let's hang. I'm I'm come on down. Uh, like hurry up. Like now, come on down. And I'm going to stay at your house. We're gonna we're gonna hang out. And it says Zacchaeus received him joyfully. And I bet he did, because everybody in that crowd hates him. And, and here's the big show in town, and the main guy looks at him, the rock star rabbi, looks at him and says, no, no, we're going to hang out. And I bet Zacchaeus got about a foot taller in that moment, you know. He hops down out of that tree he's like, that's right, everybody. <laughs> you know, you all hate me? This guy, he likes me. We're going to hang out. He just said in front of everybody that we're hanging out later today. Um, and, that, and the crowd doesn't like this idea. Look at verse 7. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They're criticizing Jesus for him going with this guy and and hanging out with a tax collector. They're like, Jesus, this is a bad choice. You're hanging out with a bad dude. And it's hard to put that into a modern-day context. Whatever whatever, uh, subgroup you would would say they're other, or like, you know, drug dealers, or prostitute, or like Yankees fans, or just someone that you're like, oh, I shouldn't hang out with him. you know, like... This is, they're, it's, sorry, they're an easy target. Uh, this, is, this is who he's hanging out with. And they're like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't hang out with them. And what, is it, what does this tell us about Jesus? Well, it, I think it tells us that he leads with love and grace. That he reaches out to the people who feel like they're outcasts. And that should challenge us. Who are the people that we naturally are not drawn to? The people that scare us the people that we think are from some other side of the tracks, that they're those people. And I don't want to be around those people. Jesus goes right to those people. He goes to the, to the hurting and the broken people and people who are bored and, and messed up. He, he goes, to, um, he, he goes to, to all those people that feel like the outcasts, um, and he shows them love for them. He goes to the people who are in a rough spot, and look at the transformation that comes from that the next verse. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half. I don't know how he talked. I don't know. It would be awesome if he had like some cool, like if he stood and he's like, behold, Lord, the half of my goods. I don't, I don't know. But he, he stands up and he says to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. What does he do? He, he goes, oh, okay, I, I'm going to, change my life. Like this quickly, right? And I wish there was more context. I wish I would have known. I wish we could know how everybody in the crowd felt about that at that moment. Did he say it in front of the crowd or did he kind of say it later? But it seems kind of immediate. And he he immediately says, I'm going to give away half my stuff and anybody I've ripped off, which is the reputation of this tax collector, right? Anybody I've ripped off, I'm going to pay them back four times as much. So why did he say that? Well, here's why he, here's What didn't happen, okay? Jesus doesn't walk up to him and say, look, you've been ripping people off, we little man, and you need to get it right. You need to get this fixed. And if you'll do that, then I will come to your house. He doesn't do that. He goes, hey, I'm going to come hang out with you. And Jesus leads with love and grace and, and acceptance. And something about that is what changes this guy. He doesn't change from getting a speech. How many of us change when we're told? When someone just told us off, man, that really just moved the needle for me, right? That doesn't work for me very often. Probably doesn't work for you either, right? What moves the needle for us, what changes things for us is when someone leads with love and they lead with grace and then we go, oh, thank you. It's like, some, it's like a teacher giving you an A plus before you even take the class. Like you're in okay, now, now go work towards the grade you already have, kind of, or like try, try to try to um, you know, live up to it, or, or something, or just like um, just accept it and and appreciate it, um, and and that's what and that's what Jesus does. He he leads with grace, and and Zacchaeus is moved by the radical love and grace of God. The God of the universe came up to him and said, "I'm with you, bro." And then Jesus goes on to tell us the main thing. Let's continue on here, verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. This is an important point that doesn't quite land on our modern ears. The word son of Abraham is a way of saying you are a truly Jewish. You are God's people. When you became a tax collector, if you were a Jew and you become a tax collector, you would get kicked out of the synagogue. They, like, disown you. You're a traitor to your people. And so Jesus comes along and says, this guy gets it. You truly are a a son of Abraham. You are one of God's people. You're in. You've been brought into the family. And this is sort of a a foreshadowing thing just to say, like, look, the people who are the sons sons and daughters of Abraham, the people who are God's people are not the people who are just ethnically that way. They are the people who actually have a heart for God and follow after him. And that can be any of us and all of us. So it's a powerful thing, and it would have meant so much to Zacchaeus that here the rock star rabbi says, you're in, bro. Like, I'm with you, and I'm for you. Salvation has come to your house today. And then Jesus, maybe to the whole crowd, gives his main thing, his purpose, what he's about. He says it this way. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus says, my heartbeat... um, What I'm about is for those people who are left out. I'm here for the outcasts. I'm here for the bad, for the broken, for the bored, for the people who can't quite get it together, for the people who can't even right now, for people who are on the outside looking in, for people who are wandering far away from God, from people who are never near God to begin with. I am here for the lost, not the found, is what Jesus says. He says it another way in Mark chapter 2, the, the gospel writer Mark records this. There, pe- people were criticizing who Jesus is hanging out with, and oh, Jesus overhears it, it. says, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. What's he saying? Hey, it's not, it's not healthy people who need a doctor. It's sick people. So that's what I'm here for. Now, the truth is the people who are criticizing Jesus in Mark chapter 2, like the Pharisees, they're sick too. They just don't realize it. They don't, they don't realize that their self-righteousness is keeping them from God. There are people, so if you look at it in a modern way, I think there are two groups of people, and maybe a lot of us fall into these categories, right? There are people who um, they, they think they're so healthy they don't need God. You know, I've got a good income, a good job, a house, family relationships are pretty solid, good school, whatever, my 401K is growing, whatever. There's like a, a certain success chart in America. And if I'm sort of checking all of those boxes and things are going relatively well, why do I need Jesus? I don't need that. I'm good. And and, and I'm going to raise kids who I tell are good too. They're not going to ever think they need Jesus because they've been told their whole life how awesome they are. So we've got an awesome thing going on here. And, and, and that there's a lot of people kind of in that in that mold, right? I'm I'm good. I don't need Jesus. I don't need God. I don't. He'll mess, mess things up. I don't want that. I don't want to get all weird and religious. Um, and then there's a whole another group of people who, for them, uh, and maybe you feel this way, walking in, ch- walking into a church building is a big deal. This isn't much of a church building, but it's a you know a gathering. And walking in, it's like, oh, they're going to judge me. N- I- I've been bad. <laughs> I've done some messed up stuff. I did stuff yesterday I'm not proud of. Like, there's stuff going on in my life. And and while there are people that think they're too good to be in a relationship with God, there are people that just think they're too bad. And there's no way. If God is good and he's holy and he's powerful and he's perfect, there's no way he's going to let me in the club. I'm out. I'm on the outside. And I just want you to hear, and this should blow up those stereotypes for us. Jesus goes right to you. Jesus goes right there and says, no, even the broken people, even the people are so messed up even the people who can't even right now, even the people who just, it's all, the wheels have come off of all of it. Jesus goes right to those people and offers hope. And that's good news because the truth is all of us are those people at some point in our lives. So what do we learn? The main thing in life, according to Jesus, is lost people, not found people. There's huge implications for us as individuals and there's implications for us as the church. So for followers of Jesus, if that's you in this room, you say I identify as a follower of Christ, um, we need to make his main thing our main thing. If he's here to seek and save the lost, we need to be about that too. Our focus needs to be on the lost, not on the found. Did you know that's what you signed up for when you became a Christian? Like when you got baptized, you were immersed in water. You came out of the water. God's spirit starts to live in your life and, and begin the process of transformation. At that moment, you were signing up for something. I don't know if you read the fine print, but you were signing up to help other people do the same thing. You were signing up to help other people come to know Christ. Your life stopped being about your life. It was about knowing God and helping others to know God. It was about introducing other people to him as well. Your focus needed to change, um, and you need to be focused on the, 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 the lost, not the found. This is... a a mission that christ has given us our personal lie our personal faith is not personal just a personal faith anymore it is to be shared with others that means no matter where you work no matter what you do for school no matter where you live what you got going on whatever you whatever goals and vision you have for your life your mission as a follower of christ is to be a disciple of jesus and help other people to be disciples it's to help other people get introduced to him as well um and a lot of people don't realize that's what they're here for. They think, you know what? I'm good. I found Jesus. That's enough for me. Um, I don't need to bother other people with it. I don't want to be weird. It's going to sound weird if I tell other people about Jesus. I'll, I'm good. I'm in. makes me think of a, uh, I was playing soccer. I don't think I've told you this story, but I was playing soccer a couple of years ago and it was a pickup game and the game was at U of R at seven o'clock. And I got there late. I got there at like 20 after seven. And when I showed up, I, started, I sat on the sideline I started putting my cleats on, and there's a bunch of people out there playing the pickup game because they were all on time, and there was a lot of people. And soccer's like at best 11 on 11, right? But there's like 40 people out there, and, and 20 on 20 is not fun. There's only one ball, right? We need to spice it up and throw like 10 balls in there. Then it'd be fun. So, so anyway, I look over, and a guy's over there playing, and, he's, and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm putting my cleats on. He's like, can I, I said, can I play? And he's like, and he just looks annoyed, you know, and he's like, fine, you can come in, but n- no one else, you know, so I, like I'm in. I'm like, sweet, I get to play. And I kind of turned back towards this parking lot, you know, where I just come from, and I'm, I was kind of like, sorry, suckers, you know, like, all oh, y'all don't get to be in, I'm in. Like, we're going to draw a line of the inside and the out, and the line is here, guys. It's right behind me. I'm, I'm in, the rest of you are out. And, you know, it felt pretty good. It felt good to be on the inside. And I think we kind of do that with our face sometimes. We, we sort of go like, all right, I'm found, uh, I'm not wandering as, like I used to in the same way, and like God's found me, I'm mean, going to have a relationship with God, I'm good, and I'm just going to keep it real quiet, and I'm just going to keep it to me. But that's not our mission. We're, we're called to be on a mission that Jesus calls us to seek and save the lost. I heard one preacher say it this way, found people, find people. And so if you're in the found category, you need to find so let me make that practical. Who are three people you know that live in Richmond that need Jesus? Friends, coworkers, someone at school. Who do you know? Um, write their names down. I have mine on, on my laptop. Write their names down. Pray for them. In, um, in, engage them in conversation. Um, share your faith when, it, when it's appropriate. Um, talk to them. People get so freaked out about this, like we're going to become salesmen, like and we don't want to sell Jesus. And I get that. I don't, want to, I don't want to be a salesman either in that sense. Um, but, I, but I do think love compels us. If you think people are really going to be eternally separated from God and that there's, there's actually a better hope and a better future for how they live now and in eternity, if you don't tell them that, you, you, like you hate those people. Like if you love them, you will tell them. Share what you, what you know. Even if it's not perfect and even if you have doubts and even if you have questions and even if you can't explain all the things, share what you know. Invite them to be a part of the community. Invite them to church. Um, you, you cannot make people fall in love with Jesus, but can you arrange a first date? You know? Can you just be like, hey, just come with me and hang out and, and we're going to hear and we're going to talk about God and it's going to be okay, I promise. Um, love compels us to speak up. So if you have people like that, pray for them, uh, get in God's ear about them every day, and log time with those people. Um, so that's sort of a personal application. And then one more thing here as a church. Our, our heartbeat as a church must be about reaching lost people also. Um, Area 10, we, we transforming lives um, in the city, for the city. So we want to see people get changed by God here in, in Richmond and have it flow out and impact the city as well. Um, so as a church, we need to be about people who are lost, which means we're going to talk about baptism a lot. We're going to talk about people coming to Christ. We're baptizing people. After this service, we're going to go down to 2810 and baptize someone. Um, and that's, that's a celebration. And as a staff, we track that. It's a, it's a metric for a church. How many people were baptized? We're tracking that, and, and we want to see more and more people come to Christ. It's not all about the numbers, but those numbers represent people and stories, and those people matter to God. And so we want to track that. And so we're going to talk about baptism. We're going to challenge people. Step up, know Christ, follow him, get baptized. If you've never seen a baptism, if you've never been baptized, come down after service today at 2810. We're going to go in the back room there and, and baptize some folks. Um, That's going to be a good thing. And also, because our church is about lost people and reaching lost people, the way we do our gatherings is we hope we'll speak to people who are far from God. Uh, Yes, we're going to do very churchy things when we're here. We're going to take communion. It's very, like, churchy, right? We're singing songs. We're not singing Beyonce up here. We're singing, like, songs to Jesus. Like, that's the idea. We're worshiping him unapologetically. That's what we're about. But well, we want to do it in a way that the culture can understand, that people can walk here and go in here and go, okay, I I kind of get this uh, of, of what's going on here. Now there's always a piece of that, got how God's spirits at work that will always be a little different and, and weird to people. And we're going to preach the scripture. And when you preach the scripture, it's going to conflict with things in America today. That's going to happen, and we'll talk about the hard stuff as well. Um, but 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 our heartbeat as a church is we want to help people who are disconnected from God and far from God to be found, to, to, to know him, to be in a relationship, um, be in a relationship with him. And I, and I want to be upfront about that so so that you, you know um, that our church needs to be a, a rescue mission to reach people who are far from God. Several years ago, there was a group in Uganda called the Lord's Resistance Army, and um, you may have heard of it because the leader of the group was a guy named Joseph Kony, and he got very famous sort of in a social media way by an organization that was trying to stop him, because what Joseph Kony started doing was recruiting 10 to 12-year-old boys in villages around Uganda, and he would recruit them and kind of grab them and train them to be killers, and he would, like, invade and, and kill a lot of people, and he would have these 10 to 12-year-old boys do, do the work. And once they became killers for him, he would tell them, you can't go back to your family. They won't accept you back. You're a killer. Like, and so these kids would end up kind of getting stuck in this, in this group and they, as, as killers. Um, and, and that all went on until this man, uh, Joe LeCampbell, um, started a radio show. And the radio show was broadcast throughout Uganda and it was called Come Home or Come Back Home is what it was called. And so he did this show and he basically broadcast and said, hey, kids that are in, the, in, in this army or whatever, you can come back home. Your, your parents will accept you back. And then he would get parents on the show and they would say to their child, hey, come home. You'll, you'll be welcomed here. You're welcome back no matter what you've done. You can be with us again. Um, and so they, they did this for a while, and it was starting to be effective. Some kids would kind of leave the group and would go home, and then he would get those kids on the radio program, and they would say, it's true. If you come home, you'll be accepted. You'll be loved. Um, mother forgives you. Uh, they, they they would say these things on the radio. Well, it was becoming so effective that Coney took the kids and moved them further out into the jungle, away from the radio signal. So, uh the the radio show responded, uh, they they built a bigger radio tower. So they just built a bigger radio tower, and they're like, all right, we'll just go, and we're going to broadcast this thing even further. And they just kept broadcasting this message, come back home, come back home. And here's the deal. Area 10 Church is a radio tower. This is what we do. We broadcast the message to let people know that they can come back home that they have a heavenly Father who loves them and forgives them and wants to be in a relationship with them. And when we built that, when we renovated that property a block away, that's just us building a bigger radio tower. Not because we want to be, you know, real estate moguls or, you know, we want to own Carey Street or none of that. We just want the word to get out in the, in, in, in the best way possible. We want to, to find strategic ways to reach the culture and so we renovated a space as a, as, a, as a better broadcast space. We meet in this big public room. Not, you know, we could meet, I suppose, in like a church cathedral kind of vibe, but we don't want to be insulated like that. We want, we want to be in a space where, where, where it's public, where people can come in they feel comfortable in movie theater, and they go, okay, well, as comfortable as you can feel in this room, but uh, they feel comfortable in movie theater. Um, and, and so we want to be that space where, you can, where, where, where we are broadcasting and, and being public and letting people know that they can come back to God because we want to be a church that's about the lost, not just about the found. So make that your main thing in 2019. Maybe just practically find your three people you're in a relationship with and start praying for them regularly. Get in God's ear about those three people that you know that need to know Christ and invite them here. Um, and, uh, and 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 let's see what happens. Let's see how God grows grows the faith, and, and grows the community through that. And um, let, let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I thank you that, that you had a heart for people who are broken because we're all broken. You had a heart for people who are bad because we're all bad. You had a heart for people who are bored because we're all bored and we're all messed up. And um, You stepped into that. You were willing to... Walk right up to it and say salvation has come to your house today. God, I thank you for that. May we, as your followers, extend that message to others. May we lead with love and grace. Yes, we will speak truth. Yes, we will have hard conversations. Yes, we will challenge things in, in ourselves and others, but may we be people who lead with love and grace and uh, and, and help people to be reconciled to you. God, do your work through us because you have chosen to reconcile the world to yourself. You've chosen to use us for that. So God, may you do incredible work through this community um, in, in 2019. In your son's name we pray. Amen.